Well, good morning. Welcome to Northridge. Glad to have all of you here again today. We got a little bit of rain, so the fields won't be like concrete uh, as much anymore. Um, but we're glad that you're here. Um, we had an amazing week uh, weekend last week. Uh, we had a huge kickoff. Unbelievable amount of people here, inflatables, uh, kids were sweaty and smelly, uh, some adults were too, that was awkward, but whatever. Uh, we even dislocated a shoulder, right, that was, that was amazing, I mean, we had a great time, so uh, if, if nobody gets hurt, I mean, what are we doing, right? Uh, so we just we just had a good time. So we are glad that you guys are here. Uh, for those of you here for the very first time, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for checking us out and and just taking a risk on us. Honestly, uh, we're just we're just glad that you're willing to do that. And we want you to know that this is a safe place for you and your family or anybody that comes with you or that you bring. Um, it's a safe place for you to really dig in and ask the hard questions about who God is. What does it mean to follow God's word? on a daily relevant basis. Um, So last week we started a brand new series, so we're continuing that uh, this week. It's called Why? Um, The the, the question of why. And and really what we're doing is we are asking some big questions of life. We're asking the questions like, why are we here? Why why do we exist? Why why are we here? Why is the planet even here? Um, What is the meaning of life? Why is life so tough sometimes? Why, why do hurricanes hit? And why do, we're answering some of those questions in this series. And so uh, we're, we're going to kind of tackle the question, why are we here today? But more than that, and I apologize for my voice, by the way. It's just the way it is. You're going to have to deal with it. I apo- I'm sorry. Uh, it's just kind of, I got all that stuff probably because it's been dry. But we're going to talk about why are we here today But really even more than that, what I want to spend a lot more time on is not even so much why are we here, because the answer to that question is about a two-minute answer. It's a really quick answer, why are we here? But I want to spend some time talking about because of why we are here, what should we be about? What should our focus be? What should our life be about on a daily basis? So that's what we're going to talk about here today. But first, let's answer the question, why are we here? Because I think it's important to ask that question. I think it's important to answer that question. The answer to that question, we actually mentioned it last week. But the answer to that question is very simple. You are here. I am here. Every person is here. Every man, woman, child, everything is here for one reason and one reason only. It's not for family. It's not to make money. It's not to sit in the same room as Brett Favre, although that was cool yesterday. I was in the volleyball game too. It's not for Facebook. It's not for anything else that we might come up with that's really important in this life. The only reason you and I are here, the only reason we're created, the only reason we even exist is one reason and one reason only, and that is to serve and to honor and to glorify God. And now it sounds weird. Now, maybe you're here and you've heard that before because you've been a part of Northridge. But maybe you're here. So maybe you're here. That's the first time, though, that you've heard that, that you didn't know that's your purpose in life. And no, it doesn't matter what your story is. I mean, it matters, (laughs) but it doesn't change the answer to that question that you are here for God. 
And as you might guess, the Bible tells us this. If you go to Colossians chapter uh, 1, in verse 16, it tells us exactly why we are here and how everything is here. This is what it says. It's the very last part of the verse. It says, everything was created through him. It's talking about Christ. And for him. Everything is created through Jesus, through God, and everything is created for Jesus or for God. Everything. Life not only exists because of God, but life exists for God. That is our purpose. That is our sole reason for living. Now, why is that important? Well, we're going to talk about that for a little bit, but before we get into that, when you think of things that have a purpose... And I'm, I'm talking everyday items, okay? Just normal, everyday kind of stuff that has a purpose, right? Then we expect that thing to serve its purpose and do it well, right? It's kind of like the internet. Like when I click on that thing, I need that thing to happen now. I don't have time for it to load, right? This whole idea of the circle spinning and it's trying to, like, that's just dumb. It does, it can't do that. I don't have time for this in my life, people. I need it to pop up immediately because I have something to do here, right? I need to check my email today, right now, this minute. Otherwise, because in five minutes, I have something else planned, right? That's kind of how we go. So let me give you a, a few pictures of some items that do not serve their purpose. In fact, these were made by companies intentionally to be silly because they are items that they do not serve their purpose because they are not doing what they are intended to do. For example, let me give you, let's go to the first one. Okay, how many of you would like this teapot set? Right? How many of you would enjoy pouring tea out of that thing? Clearly, this is going to be a problem, all right? Here, here's another one. These are just uncomfortable items. How many of you would like a fork that is thick like that? Right? How many, how, how well are you going to be able to poke stuff with that thing? All right, let's go to this next one. All right, how many of you want to drink out of a wine glass like that? That's going to be comfortable, right? I hope you're not wearing white, right? I mean, it's going to be an issue. Okay, how about this one? Hey? That's going to be fun, right? I mean, how do you do that? Do you lay down and, like, and sweep? I mean, that's just awkward, right? That's just awkward. Or this. Let's try to water plants with a thing that points back on itself, right? I mean, these are, these are just kind of crazy. Do you have any more? I can't remember. What, what the, there you go. Yes. Rain boots with holes. In, how many of you would do this? Like, yeah, let's cut holes in them, guys. I think that's what we should do. All right. Any others? What, yeah. These are uncomfortable items, Right? Because these items are not serving the purpose of what they were designed to do. They're not serving the purpose at all. They were designed for a specific reason. And if you try to use those things, you'd just be mad, right? You're like, ah, my feet are all wet. These are rain boots. They're supposed to keep them dry, right? They just don't work. Well, today what I want to do is I want to spend some time talking about what is our purpose, What are we designed to do as people? How can we avoid being awkward? How can we avoid not doing things where we're not designed to do them, but doing things designed like we're supposed to? What's interesting is the answer to what should we be about because everything is for God, it really boils down to one word. It's a word that we've heard of before, It's a word that we don't understand. We've heard it a hundred thousand times. 
We talk about it on Sunday mornings. We say we're going to do this on Sunday mornings. It's a word that we hear all the time, but it's a word that we always need to be about, but that I think we need to understand a little bit better. And this word is very simply worship. Worship. Now, when I say the word worship, we might get a lot of different ideas in our head, right? When I say worship, you might think, have you ever played the word association game? When I say this, what would you say, right? When I say worship, a lot of people would say music, right? Don't you think? In fact, there's a lot of people that describe a Sunday morning service and they say, this is the worship portion of the service. No, it's not. Because there is no worship portion of a worship service. Did you know that? The whole service is worship. In fact, before you got there was worship. And after you leave here today, it'll be worship. And tomorrow when you go to work, it's going to be worship. We think of worship as like music. Or we think of worship as in like bowing down before a king or a queen or something like that. Or we think of worship as as respecting somebody uh, really important or an authority. Worship is far more than that, far deeper than that. Worship is an all-encompassing thing. And we think of worship. In fact, one of the greatest things that we think of, one of the biggest things that we think of is music. When I say worship, most people think in their minds music. Now, I'm not saying that music isn't worship. It is. It's just a part of worship, only a part. It's an important part. I think it's a big part. I love that part. Perfect. I love music. I love music. I listen to worship music all the time but it's only a part of worship. But just to kind of show you this, I thought, "Ah, I need to test this out. So I Googled the word worship. Have you ever done this? I'm just kind of curious what comes up, like like what's going to happen. So this week I decided I'm going to Google the word worship and see what people, what Google, because Google is, of course, clearly a reflection of us, right? I mean, you Google it and it's true, right? So I googled worship, but I just wanted to see what would happen because I had an assumption. I had an assumption what was going to happen. Now, there's a lot of times when I assume things that I am really wrong. In this case, though, I was right. Because I googled worship and I took a screenshot of my computer. I want you to see this is what came up. Okay, this is an actual screenshot of when I googled the word worship. What do you see there? Every, almost everyone, unless it's just the word worship, everyone is somebody standing in a place, almost all of them, okay? There's a few that their hands are raised. There's one Bible, okay? But the vast majority are people at a concert or in a worship service where they're doing music. This is what worship is. That's what we're saying. The problem is that this is only a small, and I mean tiny, piece of what worship is. So today I want to talk about what is worship. I want to spend a few minutes talking about, we've all heard about worship, but what really is worship? So if it's not just music, if it's not going to church on a Sunday, if it's supposed to be more than that, then what really is worship? Because it's kind of a weird word. What is worship and what should it be to us? So Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, he talks about four types or four characteristics. It's not types of worship. It's four characteristics of what worship should be in our lives. And I want to talk about these four things because I think they're very, very important. And and my guess is, 
because it kind of helped me clarify some things in my life. I think it will help clarify what worship should be for you. When you are worshiping God, what should it look like? All right, so four things. The first one is accurate worship. Now, what do we mean by that? Accurate worship. Well, the first way that we can worship God, the only way that we can worship God, is to make sure that we're actually worshiping God. We worship a lot of things that are not God. We worship a lot of things that we think are God. But in order to really worship God, we must worship the one true biblical God, the one who is described here. Not described by somebody else, not described by some article, not described by, you know, anything else, but the God of the Bible, the one who is described in here. And yes, all of the things in here, not just most of them, or not just a few of them. But the truth is, there are sometimes we come into the Word of God and we read things about who God is and what He wants us to do and what He wants us to understand. And sometimes we're not sure if we like it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever run across something in God's Word in the Bible? Have you ever run across anything where you go, I'm not sure I think God made a good choice on that one. Have you ever done that? I found myself... Uh, not necessarily questioning God, but going, man, it seems like I just, I don't know. It seems like there could have been maybe another way, which is silly for me to question God, right? Be like, well, but we need to worship the one true God. Let me share a verse with you. John four twenty four says this. It says, for God is spirit. God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So if I were to give a simple definition of worship, worship is very simply our spirit. You guys know you have a spirit, right? You have a soul. There is Your body is simply a vessel, simply a carrier of who you are. It is the only way that we can exist on this planet. Okay, That's how God created us. We have a body, but within this body, it carries our soul. It's what makes us who we are. And that soul, that spirit that God has given to us, it's who, what makes us us. It is what connects with God, right? Just because I have a body does not mean I can connect with God. It is my spirit that is able to connect with God because he is spirit, okay? It says God is spirit and we need to worship in spirit and in, did you remember that second word? And in truth. You know what that's saying? It's saying that we need to worship the one true and only God. That's what it's talking about. That we need to worship in spirit, that our spirit needs to connect with God's and that it needs to connect not with some other spirit or not some other ethereal idea or something. For example, let me give you an example of this. I hear a lot of people say this. In fact, I have caught myself saying this from time to time. And I'll hear myself or I'll hear somebody else say, you know, when I think of God, I think of God like this. I think God is like a flower that blossoms in the dew. And the... Really? Really? Well, that's good for you. But that's not the biblical God, right? When I think of God, I think of a warrior who's got his armor on and he's ready to... You know, I've heard... I mean, I've heard so many metaphors for God, but, but the truth is, and some of the, sometimes they're sort of accurate. Sometimes they work. 
But so often I've heard of metaphors for God, and they say, I think of God like a, and they fill in the blank. And I'm thinking, that doesn't make any sense according to what I read in the Bible. They're worshiping not God. They're worshiping something else. They're worshiping a good idea of God. You know what I think we tend to worship sometimes here? I think we tend to worship the American citizen God. You know what that one is? That's the one, that's the God who's politically correct, never says anything antagonistic, never says anything a little maybe countercultural. It's the safe God. It's the one where he just loves everybody. Well, he does love everybody, but there's a lot of other stuff in there that he thinks is really, really important. And so we need to make sure we are worshiping the one true God and not our idea of God. One thing that we need to be careful of, and I've shared this once before, I think, at Northridge. We need to be careful not to create God in our image. We sometimes create God in our image. We say, well, I think God would probably want me to do this. Well, we need to make sure we check that against God's word. Because we might be saying, I want to do this, and I'm pretty sure God would give the stamp of approval to that. And there's a lot of times I think that God says no. And we've created God in our image rather than worshiping the one true God who created us in his image. There is a massive difference between those two things. So we must have accurate worship. So my question to you on this one is, how accurate is your worship? What is your view of God? Is it the biblical view? Or is it just some idea? Some ethereal theory that you've come up with or somebody has given to you? All right, the second one is authentic worship. This is, this is clearly one that anybody out there, they're going to understand this is definitely a necessary component of worship. Not only does it need to be really who God is and that we're worshiping the one true God, but it needs to be authentic. It needs to be authentic. This is a matter of our heart, our attitude in worship, our attitude, our orientation to God. In the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he's looking for a king. He's looking for the next king of Israel. God told him to find him, right? And so Samuel gets to this one family, and they're looking at all the guys. You guys remember this story, right? He's looking at all the guys. All the boys are coming through. All the, you know, the father's like, hey, this is, a good one. This is my firstborn, you know. I'm not sure if that's how Jesse, you know, I don't know. But uh, he's a good one, man. He's, uh, he's, he's been sword fighting for 27 years, and man, he knows what he's doing. He'd make a great king. You know, and they're praying all the boys through. And Samuel thinks he found the guy. He looks like a king. He talks like a king. He's like, Samuel's thinking, I'd follow that guy. (laughs) He's a king. And this is what God says to Samuel. Chapter 16, verse 7. God says this directly to Samuel. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? At the heart. 
You know why God says he's rejected him? It's not because he doesn't look right or because he doesn't love this guy or he doesn't think he would make an okay king. God has nothing against this guy other than the fact that he knows he sees right through this big, tall, strapping young guy who looks like a king. And he says, but his heart is prideful. He wants nothing to do with me. Therefore, he's not fit. His heart's wrong. He may look authentic to you. He is not. He's a fake. And that's what Samuel learned that day. Our worship needs to be authentic. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, in Jesus' words, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. True, authentic worship is when we engage every part of our being, every part of our life, and connect with, uh, with God. Okay? Let's be honest. Let me ask you some questions. Is it possible? I'm just asking if it's possible. I'm not asking if you did this this morning. <laughs> Is it possible for a human being to go to a worship service and sing songs or stand through songs and not worship God? Clearly it is. We all know it could be. That's clearly possible. Is it possible for people to be reading their Bible, right, And looking through and not actually worshiping God, not actually connecting with God in their heart. Is that possible? Sure it is. Is it possible to be in a room with a group of people and you're praying together and you've got your eyes closed and you're actually even listening to what the other person is saying or praying? Is it possible that your heart is not connected to God? Clearly it is possible. I'm not saying it always happens. I'm saying it's possible. This is the question of worship. When we are trying to engage, the only way that we can truly engage in worship is to make sure our heart is set below God's. Not equal to, not above, not saying, God, I think it needs to be this way but that we have set our soul in surrender to God. You guys have seen, you you see me up front. There are some times that I have to put my hands up, I put my hands out. And that helps me. The reason I do that is because it helps me remember that I am just a person here and that I need to give up. This is why I do open hands. It's because I need to remember all the time I need to remember, guys. So I struggle with this too. I get it. I need to make sure that my heart, whether I'm here or whether it's tomorrow or whether I'm at a soccer game later on, I need to make sure that my heart is like my hands are, which is open and ready to do what God asked me to do, even if I don't want to. My heart needs to be authentic because I can put on a good show for everybody. I can show that I'm excited and passionate. I can jump around up here on the front, but it does not necessarily mean that my heart is engaged in worship. Right? I can give an outward appearance, but it needs to 
to be authentic in order to be real worship. So uh, my question for you is, and this is a hard one, how authentic is your worship? How authentic, how genuine? When you are going through your life, are you truly, genuinely connecting your heart, your spirit to God's? Make sure it's authentic. All right, third one. This is a quick one, and it's going to step on some toes. (laughs) I always love those. Actually, I don't. (laughs) When God says, yeah, you need to keep this one in there. Okay, fine. We wrestle every now and then, God and I. Thoughtful worship is the third aspect of worship. It needs to be mindful. It needs to be intentional. We need to engage with our mind with God. Now, this is where it steps on some toes. God did not ever intend for us to go through worship in tradition or ritual or routine or just doing the same things over and over again without actually connecting our heart and our mind to God. Now, I'm not picking on people who like ritual and tradition, all kinds of stuff. I'm not picking on them. In fact, I want to be exceptionally clear. You can absolutely, absolutely worship God through tradition and routine and and just regular stuff, ritual type stuff. You absolutely can. But I also want to be exceptionally clear on something else. You can very easily Make a tradition just a tradition and a routine just a routine and a ritual just a ritual and do it and never connect your heart and your mind to God. Just like I can stand here and sing on Sunday morning and not actually connect if I want to. God does not want us to mindlessly, mindlessly go through this. Now, if you have traditions and rituals, maybe you say the Lord's Prayer every day. I know some of you do. Okay? Some of you believe that's important. That's not a bad thing. I am just saying, I'm just imploring, I'm just encouraging you. When you say the Lord's Prayer, please don't say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Under... I did it. Whew. Man, I feel better. Right? If you do it just because you feel you're supposed to do it, that's not worship. You haven't worshiped at all. You have it. If you say, God, my Father, you're in heaven, and you truly hallow his name, when you say, hallowed be your name, (laughs) okay, that's good, you're worshiping. But if you're just saying the prayer to get it done, God knows exactly what you're doing. And he says, thanks for that, you might as well have just skipped it because it's not authentic. It wasn't thoughtful. It wasn't engaged. So we have to be thoughtful about our worship. Accurate. We need to be authentic and we need to be mindful in our worship. Make sure you engage with God's heart no matter what you're doing, whether it's tradition or not. Oh, by the way, let's go the ex- other extreme, right? You have tradition over here where it's just kind of Oh, I missed a word. Oh, I, you know, right? And we have this, but then on the other side we have the "Wow, God is awesome!" Yeah, dance in the aisles, run up and down them, right? 
can I just, let's be honest, okay? You can do that just as easily and never connect your heart to God. And it's just a show. Look at me. I'm awesome. I love to worship God by jumping up and down. And I'm, and I'm all in for God. You can show off all you want. But if unless your heart is surrendered to God, it's just not thoughtful. It's not mindful. It's not authentic. So it doesn't matter if it's on this side, tradition, ritual, or this side, and great, great emotion and passion. It really doesn't matter because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the what? He looks at the heart. That's what he worries about. That's what he cares about. That's why he loves you. The last one. Our worship needs to be practical. Practical worship. This is to say that we cannot think of worship as something we do every now and then. Worship is not something we go to. I'm going to worship this morning at Northridge. You can say you're, no, you can't even say you're going to Northridge because that's the wrong too. Because Northridge is not a place. Northridge is a group of people. You are Northridge. So you can't go to Northridge because you've already been Northridge. You were Northridge before you woke up. You were Northridge when you were snoring last night. Maybe not the best version of Northridge. I'm, I'm just kidding. Just messing, just messing now. I digress, right? But we are already Northridge. One of the greatest aspects that I pray and hope for is that we destroy this American mentality that we are a church when we gather together for an hour on a weekend. Because God wants to do way more way more than what happens here. And there's cool stuff that happens here on a Sunday morning. I, 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 I do admit that. There's great things happening through Northridge and on Sunday mornings and on the weekends. Next Sunday, don't miss next Sunday, is one of the best things in all of life. Not just at Northridge. I'm, I'm saying all of life. There's nothing like it in the world to see people give their lives to Christ and communicate that publicly. You'll never see anything like it. So there's great things happening, but more, God wants to do infinitely more from Sunday afternoon through that Saturday night with all of you and all of me and every, all everybody else that's part of Northridge, everybody else that's a follower of Christ. Did you know that? He wants to do unbelievable things in your workplace. He wants you to lead people to Christ at work. How many of you are like, oh, that's freaky. But he does. He does. He wants you, the practical side of worship is you giving your sacrifice, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your energy when the the, the thing, that Excel spreadsheet, that thing, whatever it is, it's due in three hours and your coworkers crying. They're crying. Unbelievable. Now. I procrastinated on this, God. I have to get it done now with the meetings in three hours. And God taps you on the shoulder and says, but he needs you. She needs you. They're a mess. You have the hope of the world. The spreadsheet can deal with it. I know we're scared of our bosses, right? I think we should be scared of God. I think we should be fear and respect the God of the universe. We need to worship him. 
And it's a daily basis, practical thing. Romans 12.1 says this. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. When you go to work tomorrow, you should be worshiping God by doing the absolute best job at your job that you can. And yes, when your boss is around, but definitely and even more so when your boss is not around. And yes, I know that'll put you at odds with your coworkers, the ones who slack off when the boss is not around. I know that. They're going to look at you and be like, oh, you're goody two-shoes. You're going to get in. You're trying to get a promotion. You're going to wear blah, 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 blah. You're going to get it. And instead, you can come back. This is maybe the last time they'll say this to you. You say, actually, I'm working my tail off because I am doing this as work, as worship, as unto the, God, unto the Lord, unto God. I'm just, I'm just giving my worship to God. Yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna freak out and they'll run the other way. Because they've probably never heard something like that. But if you work that way, it's quite possible that it'll be caught by some other people. And they'll see how they should be living their life. That it is as worship unto God. How we deal with our family. How we are on the soccer field when, when our kid's playing or when the ref. Oh man, we had a doozy yesterday. We had a doozy yesterday. How we react to those people. I can feel it now. Talk about it. I got to get it out of my head. It was unbelievable, right? And, And how we deal in our heart with that, right? That is, that is a form of worship. God says, can I trust you? Can you connect with my heart for that person? Even though you're not fond of that person right now, can you still worship me and glorify my name with your actions and your words? Not even the ones that you say out on the field to that person, but when you have a conversation about that person on the side. That is our practical form of worship. Every day. Every minute of every day. We need to do what we're created to do. We need to be about our purpose. Let me give you one final illustration to wrap up. Everybody knows what this is, right? Tennis ball. Pretty simple. Um, When I was growing up, my little brother, my younger brother, he hates it when I call him my little brother. And it's funny because he's bigger than me. (laughs) But he's still my little brother. Uh, my, my, my younger brother, Bryce, had a dog named Toby uh, when we were growing up. And uh, there, there's a picture of Toby. Yes, I know. We have to get the use and ahs on a Sunday morning. You just have to do that. So there you go. Uh, Toby was an amazing dog. Golden Retriever, just awesome. Awesome dog. Uh, he was a rescue dog. Uh, had, got, was rescued from a family that uh, just didn't treat him well. And, uh, and so we gave him a lot of love. And uh, Toby was just just an amazing, amazing dog. Love that dog. And, um, and so what was interesting about Toby, though, 
is that Toby was a retriever, a retriever, right? And so we all know what retrievers do. They are created. Like God put within retrievers, they retrieve, right? That's what they do. Like you throw something and they're like, oh, I'm bringing it back. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. That's what I do. It doesn't matter. I mean, I could throw, I could throw anything, right? I can throw broccoli and they're like, they're not going to like it, but they're like, okay, bring it back, right? They retrieve. That's what they do. They're created to do that. Well, what was interesting about Toby is that he was not only retriever, not only retrieve things, but he would he absolutely was created. I mean, he loved more than anything in life, literally more than anything in life, he loved tennis balls. He loved tennis balls. There was something about it. We could throw a stick and he would fetch that thing for a long time, but he'd eventually, uh, stupid stick, right? And we could throw a doggy bone, same thing. Uh, but after a while, uh, but if we got out a tennis ball, He would fetch this thing all day long if he was physically able. He would do it. And it wasn't a chore for him. He would run after it the 17th time as much as he was the first time. Although maybe a little slower because he was getting tired. But we just loved to watch him run. And you know why he would do that? It's because he was born. He was created to chase tennis balls. For whatever reason, Toby had this knack for tennis balls. It's what he was created to do. You and I are like Toby. No, we're not dogs. No, I'm not going to throw this and see who goes after it. (laughs) That'd be awkward. (laughs) But we are all like Toby in that you and I, every single one of us in here, we were created for a very specific and a very special purpose. And it wasn't to chase tennis balls, but it was to worship God every single minute of every single day of our lives. Accurately, authentically, thoughtfully, and absolutely practically. We need to stop thinking of worship as something we go to every now and then on a weekend. And we need to start realizing that worship is something that we are every minute of the day. And if we get that, God is going to do amazing things in you and through you. So how is your worship today? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us, not just this morning, to worship you. God, you know that we tend to think of worship as music. We tend to think of worship as a service we go to. Sometimes we think that way. The American mentality of church is, I go to church. God, please destroy that mentality. We have royally messed up there, God. I pray that you would help us 
to remember and to realize and to start living the reality, the truth that you want us to understand, and that is that we are the church. Help us to worship you. Help us to give ourselves to you. Help us to surrender everything to you. Help us to make sure we're worshiping you and only you authentically. As we go from here, I pray that the greatest worship that has ever happened happens now. Not during the service, just in the next few minutes and and as we leave, that the greatest worship is going to happen from here on. So that when we come back together next week to celebrate with baptisms, I pray that it's just a continuation of what's already been happening. I pray somebody gets baptized at work this week. It'd be awesome. God, help us to live for you and worship you every day. We ask this, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.